Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are so glad you're with us. We're a Bible-based church from Ontario, Canada, and together we're on a mission to reach people far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Him. We are the church, but when you think about it, what does that really mean? The church is a community of people who are following Jesus. And when a large group gathers together, there'll be all different sorts of people in the room. In this message, we'll be encouraged to decide which kind of people we want to be as we gather together as the church. With that, let's turn it over to Pastor Nate as he brings us part three of the We Are the Church series entitled, What Do You See? If you... uh... If you, if you have a Bible, if you have a Bible with you, um, would you open it up to Mark, the Gospel of Mark chapter 2? Uh, maybe some of you use your phone, you want to follow along in your Bible, that's, that's great as well. Uh, today we're, we're going to be reading from Mark chapter 2. We're in week 3 of a, of a four-week message series that we're sort of kicking off the fall season. And this message series is called, as we said last week, We Are the Church. Can we all say that together? We are the church. And I, and I said this in week 1, the church is not a building. The church is not a denomination, a corporation, an organization. The church is people. Yeah, we, we are the church. And so you go, well, are all people the church? Not all people. You say, so what people are part of this thing that Jesus said he would build and called the church? And, and, and the answer to that question is, the people who are part of the church are those who are following Jesus. Not just believing in Jesus, not, not even sitting in church. Sometimes you think, well, if I'm sitting in church, I must be part of the church. But in fact, the church is made up of a community of people who are following Jesus, who are listening to his voice, who are obeying his commands, who are learning and growing and moving in his direction. And so I hope that today as we gather, we are the church. Can we say that one last time? We are the church, which is awesome. Last week, we had a special guest speaker who really talked about how we are the church in good times and bad. When things are going well and when things are difficult and when we're going through struggles, uh, we're still the church and we continue to follow Jesus and trust in him through it all. Today I want to read this uh, story that's found in Mark chapter 2. This is an, it's an incredible uh, story, an event that happened uh, during Jesus' ministry. Uh, there's another version of it in Matthew's gospel, but I really like the way... Um, the author of Mark lays it out. So we're going we're gonna, to, I'm going to just kind of read it. Uh, yeah, we've got the scripture up there on the left, so you can kind of follow along. I'm going to just stop and fill in some gaps and tell the story a bit as we read. It says, and when he, speaking of Jesus, returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Now, we don't know if his parents lived there or if he was at one of the disciples' homes, but he's, this is like a personal private visit, okay? And he's there, and it says, many were gathered together. So word gets out, Jesus is in town. And all the neighbors, oh, hey, I hear Jesus is around. People start knocking on the door. Next thing you know, they're standing room only. The whole house is filled. People are standing in the windows, in the doorways. A crowd is gathered. The whole house is surrounded. The whole community now knows he's there. And it says, uh, a great many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. Packed. I know sometimes we look around like, wow, it's really full this Sunday. But it's not packed. I mean, we're talking shoulder to shoulder. No room to squeeze in another person. Uh, this is a huge crowd gathered. And it says this, it says, he was preaching the word to them. We'll circle back to that later because it's pretty crazy that when this huge crowd of people shows up with all these various needs, Jesus decides to preach. We'll get there. Verse three, and they came bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. So these, these four men are carrying someone who cannot walk on a bed 
And they bring him. And when they could not get near Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, whose faith did he see? He saw the faith of these friends who had cut a hole in somebody's roof, lowered their friend down on ropes, and of course, when I read, I see the, you know, I had like a, a picture Bible and you see this guy, you know, in the, he's on the bed and they lowered it down. But in reality, you have to imagine what this was like, right? Jesus is up there preaching and he's preaching the house and everyone's packed in. Next thing you know, a saw coming through the roof, right? Palm branches and sticks falling on the crowd. Like nobody's listening to Jesus because there's this hole in the roof. And next thing you know, the head pops through and another head pops through and a bed with a guy who can't walk and they're lowering him down. And, you know, we picture it coming down, but it's probably like leaning one way and the crowd's like, ooh, he goes the other way, and then finally he gets there. And uh, in in all of this scene, sorry, I added a little bit there to the, to the passage. This is, this is how it probably played out. And when Jesus saw their faith, he's, he's, there's the paralytic guy in front of him. He's looking up at the friends, leaning through the hole who've brought their friend and lowered him. And when he sees the faith of the friends, he turns to the paralytic who's now in front of him and says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Which at this point, I'm thinking the friends are sticking their heads through the window going, No, no, Jesus. We know he's a sinner. But that's not his biggest problem. His biggest problem is his legs don't work. And Jesus is like, that's not his biggest problem. And he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there. These are religious leaders, the local pastors and specialists in the law. They, they ask themselves, they've been questioning in their heart, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They're going, only God can forgive sins. How could Jesus say this? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they questioned within themselves, he said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. So Jesus says, you think that only God can forgive sins? You're right. And guess what? God can, only God can heal legs that don't work. And just to show you who I am, I'm going to heal him too. He continues, but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, We never saw anything like this. I love that phrase. We never saw anything like this. We get this gathering of people that are all there to see Jesus. And he does something so incredible that the people leave going, wow, we've never seen anything like this. We talk about being the church and we're gathered here, hopefully for Jesus. I want love. And I pray that we'd be the kind of church where people walk in and when they leave, they go, wow, I've never seen anything like that. People come in without hope. And leave full of hope. People come in, Maybe you come in on a stretcher and you leave on your own two feet. Maybe you come in and your marriage, your relationship, your heart is broken and, and something gets healed. And you leave going, wow, I never saw anything like this. That's the kind of church I want to be. I don't know about you guys. Anybody else? Yeah. All right. A church like that. What I think is so cool is that Jesus does this incredible miracle, right? He does this incredible miracle in the midst of this great crowd. Okay. We've got a great crowd. And here's something you need to understand. Whenever there's a big crowd of people gathered together, there will be all sorts of people. Can we say all sorts? All sorts. When I say all sorts, what I mean is different kinds of people with different motives and different reasons. I'm not talking about these. Now, I, I, I understand that some people really love these, but for me, these are disgusting, okay? 
Uh, these all sorts. I remember the first time I saw them as a kid. I was so excited because, I mean, don't open them. I remember as a kid seeing them like they're so colorful. They must taste amazing. I mean, I want one. And then I tried one and I was like, I'm not even going to eat it up here, right? Because I'll taste it the rest of the day. I'm like, oh, that's nasty. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever met somebody? Don't look around. Don't elbow anybody. But have you ever met someone and you thought, they look amazing. They seem so nice. You're like, I want to get to know that person. And then you get to know them. And they're so colorful. And you get to know them a little better. Yeah, that's what I expected it to taste like. And you're just like, oh, no thanks. Anybody? Just show hands. Don't look around. Yeah, okay. We've all been there, right? Because the truth is, the truth is that when we, when we have a crowd of people gathered together, like we do this morning, I know everyone looks great and everyone's amazing and love everybody, but the truth is in this room, there's all sorts of people. There are people in this room that have great motives, people that don't. There are people with great attitudes, people that don't. There are people here for all different kinds of reasons. And so here's the thing I want you to know. When we're talking about the church, if you're new to church, if you're new to faith, let's say, let's say you showed up here this morning and you're like, man, I'm going to check out this Jesus thing. Man, I want to find out what church is all about. Many people come to church and they just expect that when they walk into the church, they're going to meet a bunch of people who have it all together. And we're, I heard a couple of chuckles like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, wait till they find out. It's not true. Because what happens is in the room, hopefully we have a whole bunch of people who are trying to follow Jesus, but we're on all different places. So don't assume that just because, uh, just because there's a room full of people that attend church, that they have it all together, that, that there's no addictions, that there's, there's nobody struggling in their relationships, that nobody struggles with greed or selfishness. Like, it's all here. In this room, there's all sorts, okay? All sorts of people in all sorts of situations. And so if you're new to church, you just naturally assume that everyone has it together. You might assume that anybody who attends Pathway Church, you can do business with them and they'll never rip you off. I hope that that's not, like, I hope that everyone that attends this church would be honorable and do good work and fair pricing. But in this room, there's also, there's all sorts of people, right? So, so don't, don't assume that. And the second thing you don't want to assume, you don't want to assume that everyone is here for the the same reasons. Okay. You don't want to assume that everyone's here for the same reasons because that's not just true. As you know, when I'm preparing a message, I like to imagine that every person that's going to come and hear this message today is here because they want Jesus. That's, that's what I just, I have to assume that so I can bring my best. But in reality, I know that for some people, you're here because your parents told you if you don't show up to church, you're going to have to pay rent. And if you've looked at the rent prices, it's a good deal. Keep showing up to church, okay? For, for some of you, you, you show up to church because it makes your spouse happy. And I would think that's not a bad reason to show up. I mean, happy spouse, good, that's good for you. That's good for everybody. So that's okay for a reason. Some people are here because they need friends or they're in trouble and they need help. Again, it's all fine, uh, but there's all different kinds of reasons. There might be someone here today who's here to, to, to strengthen their multi-level marketing business. And can I just say, please don't. Please don't. This is, this is a place for people from all walks of life to, to gather around faith in Jesus, not... It's not an opportunity to build your business, okay? So let's not do that. People come for all different kinds of reasons. And so we have to understand that whenever a crowd is gathered, there's all, so, there's all sorts of people. All sorts, and that doesn't mean we judge everybody. It just means we have to understand that there's all sorts of people. Um, and guess what? As you look around the church, just, just look around the room. Don't stare in any one direction too long or it gets awkward. But just glance around. All kinds of good-looking people. Everyone's smiling. It's great. Uh, but there are all sorts of people in all different places in their journey. 
all, all different uh, types of people, which is great. Um, I got this, this image I'm going to throw up um, on the left of the screen here for you to see. Um, some of you have seen this before, but how many of you see an old woman's face? Show of hands. Okay, a bunch of hands. How many of you see a young woman, beautiful, looking over her shoulder? Okay. How many of you see both of those faces? Okay. This is really interesting that, that everyone uh, doesn't see the same thing. And the reason why you're, you're not all seeing the same thing is because there's more than one thing in the image. And you can take it down now. Everyone won't pay attention. Uh, <laughs> thank you. When you come to church and the people of God gather and you look around, it's amazing to me you'll see different things. Someone will come to church this morning and look around and see hypocrisy. And you, you know why you're seeing it? Because it's here. <laughs> there's all sorts. Other people will come and they won't see the hypocrisy. They'll see people who care and love and they'll see support and help. It's crazy how different people can see different things. And I, I want to ask you a question. Like, what do you see when you look at the church? When, when the community of people are gathered in the name of Jesus, what do you, what do you see? Well, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I saw as a kid. Because I remember going to church as a little kid and we, we naturally assume that little kids uh, just miss everything, but that's not true. When I'm five and six years old, I went to church every Sunday with my parents and I used to watch people, you know, and I was a quiet kid and I just watched people. And here's what I noticed. I noticed that there were people that truly loved, authentically, genuinely were caring. When nobody was looking, they were serving. And I saw that as a kid and I went, that's what I want to be. That's what Jesus is all about. I knew that as a six-year-old. And I saw other people who were on the stage in their fancy clothes, big smile, you know, white teeth, uh, trying to get power, position. Everyone noticed me. And I saw that as a kid and I went, nope, that's not it. Like, I knew that as a six-year-old. And my guess is that you know it too. I saw both of those things in the church. I saw people in the church who sacrificed, helped, prayed for others. And I saw other people who criticized, judged, and gossiped. And I saw it as a kid and I went, mm, good, bad. I saw it all because in the church there's... All sorts, okay? All sorts of people in all different kinds of places. Uh, I saw people who came into church, and, and when the word of God was preached from the stage, they listened, and their lives were radically transformed. Six months, 12 months, different person than they were. And I also saw people who sat in the same pew every single Sunday for 20 years straight, and nothing changed. I, used to, I call them brother and sister rigor mortis. <laughs> right? Because it looks like a tree. It looks like it's alive, but it's petrified. Like there's nothing. There's no life in it. It's just stiff. It's not moving. It's immovable. And I saw that in church. I saw people being transformed. And I saw people who was just like, bang, nothing happened. It just, because there's all sorts in the church. I saw it all as a kid. And I find it fascinating that Jesus is in this crowd. And what we're going to see today is we kind of, I'm going to kind of walk through this story again. And we're going to see four kinds of people. Uh, interestingly enough, a couple chapters later in Mark chapter 4, Jesus is going to tell a parable, and I'll just summarize it because we're not going to have time to read it today. Jesus says to his disciples, if you want to know how the kingdom of God works, you need to understand this parable, this story, illustration, and it's called the parable of the sower. In this parable, he says a farmer goes out, and he's got a bag of seeds, and he's throwing seeds. He's planting, right? Like some of you might plant grass seed on your lawn. So he's out there throwing seeds. But what's interesting in the story is that the farmer is seemingly careless with his seed throwing. Because he's throwing some of it on the road, which we all know seeds are not going to grow in a hard-packed road. He's throwing some on shallow soil where there's only thin soil, so you know that it's not going to survive. He's throwing it in weedy soil, and he's throwing it on good soil. He's kind of throwing seeds everywhere, and the people are listening going, what's this all about? And Jesus tells his disciples after, they're like, what's that all about? And he says, the sower sows the word. 
Jesus says, the sower sows the word, and the word goes out. And the word is actually going to land on four different types of soil. And Jesus actually explains that the four types of soil are four different kinds of people who are listening. Four kinds of hearts. Right? And, and so this, this story is all about how his word... So what I find interesting about this is that it says that when this crowd gathers around, it says he was preaching the word to them. So Jesus decides when there's this huge crowd. So if he was here this morning, what would he do? He'd preach the word. That's the first thing he'd do. And it seems odd because you're like, well, my body's sick. Uh, My relationships are a mess. I'm in financial turmoil. I don't need someone to talk at me. I need help. And Jesus is like, actually, what you need more than help is my word. And you might think, well, why are words? Words are powerful. In fact, Genesis chapter 1 tells us that when God wanted to create the universe, he spoke words. And when his words came out of his mouth, everything that exists came into being. Words are powerful. Think about this. The fact that you're here this morning not worried that your house, apartment, or car are being taken by somebody else, at least I hope you're not worried about that this morning, is because of words. They're called laws. They're called contracts. We have words that protect everything that we own. It's incredible when you think about it, right? There are countries in the world, you can have a house, and it's like, it's my house, and someone else comes along and says, no, it's mine. They don't have words to protect. Words are powerful. We, we lose sight of this. And so what Jesus says is the thing that people need most is his word. The question is, will we receive it? What kind of people will we uh, be? Because in this room, I'm preaching this morning, and uh, I know that there are... Thank you. All sorts of people. Some of you, honestly, some of you are going to hear what I'm going to say today. and You're like, good joke. I'm going home and nothing. Nothing's going to happen. It's just going to bounce off. Just boink. The seed's going to go. Right? Others of you are going to hear it. You're going to get super excited. You're like, I'm going all out for Jesus. And a week later, you know, your boyfriend breaks up with you and you're like, oh, it's over. I hate God. Like that. It's just going to be, that's the shallow soil. And then others are going to like, are going to hear it and be like, yeah, I'm going. And you're making plans. And you're moving forward in your faith. And then the cares of this life. Your hobbies, your kids, sports, your career, all of these things that are good, they're going to start to choke out what God's doing. But then others, there might be somebody here today who hears this message and five years later remembers it because it changed their life. And that has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the quality of the sermon. It has everything to do with receiving the word of God and allowing it to change you from the inside out. Are you guys with me? Awesome. Okay. So today I want to share with you four kinds of people. Okay. Four kinds of people. We're going to look through the story. Uh, what kind of people do we see in this story? What kind of people uh, do we see in the church? Uh, the first kind of people we discover in this story is what I call people in need. People in need. Now, hopefully your mind goes immediately to the paralyzed guy, right? He's, he's on a bed. He's in need. His legs don't work. And um, I know it's, it's difficult if, if any part of your body doesn't work. But in this culture, where it was uh, farming culture, if your legs didn't work, you didn't work. So you, you might have been, uh, unlike today, they, they, don't, they didn't have motorized scooters. You had to have people carry you. They, they didn't have information jobs where you could work on a computer. I mean, if you couldn't work with your legs, you, you were a beggar. And, and so this man is, is in a bad way. Also, um, in this day and age, uh, there was a stigma attached. So people assume that if you were paralyzed and your legs didn't work, it's because you did something wrong. You were a sinner, and God was clearly judging you and punishing you for it. We don't, people in our culture don't believe that, which I'm glad about. Um, and so this guy had it, had it bad. Uh, he is definitely someone in need. And, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy because I believe that the church should be a place for people who are in need. Do you agree with that? 
um, often I, I get into conversations when I meet new people. Um, I guess uh, when people meet me, they don't naturally assume I'm a pastor. I don't know why that. They don't. So they're just talking to me. We're, we're talking sports. We're talking kids. We're talking hobbies. Somewhere along the line in the conversation, which you know, I think is going pretty well, they ask me, so what do you do for a living? I usually take a deep breath and I say, oh, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, is that like, that's like a, a, a minister, like a reverend, like a priest? And I'm like, kind of, yeah. And at that point, the conversation always gets awkward. All the chit-chat stops. Sometimes they'll apologize for all the curse words they used in the last 10 minutes. That, that, and then they just get all weird and silent. I've thought about just getting one of those white collars, just being like, let's get the awkward out of the way at the start. Um, on occasion, though, I'll have this conversation with somebody, and after they apologize for swearing, um, I don't know why people do that. Anyway, they'll say something to me like this. They'll be like, yeah, that's, that's really cool. That's really cool. Uh, church isn't a place for someone like me. And I, interesting, I kind of lean in and say, well, what do you mean by that? They'll say, well, you know, I've done a lot of bad things. Well, okay, um, so did David, so did, you know. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, okay. And, and they'll say like, oh yeah, but I, I have struggles. And again, it's this assumption that when they show up to church, everyone here has it all together. And they're too much a mess that Jesus wouldn't want anything to do with them and that the church at large, the community of people who are trying to follow Jesus, wouldn't accept and love them as they are. That's the assumption. Uh, to which is interesting because just four or five verses below this story we're reading, the religious leaders actually come to Jesus and like, why are you eating with those people? Because he's eating with the outsiders in society, uh, tax collectors, prostitutes, people that the religious people wouldn't have anything to do with. And Jesus actually responds in this way. He says, uh, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I come not to call the righteous, but to call sinners. And Jesus says, actually, I came for people who are a mess. I came for people who are broken. I came for people who are experiencing addiction. I came for those that society has pushed to the edges. They're the people I came from. In fact, Jesus would take it a step further. and He would say, unless you and I accept the fact that we are also in need, we can never come to him. Because it takes, it takes humility it takes humility to come to God. It takes humility to ask for help. It takes humility. You know, it, it's sad too because sometimes, uh, again, growing up in church, sometimes you come to church and everyone would try to pretend like everything was great. And I'm not saying you should come in and just dump on the first, hey, how is it going? Well, it's terrible. Let me tell I'm not saying dump on everybody, but I'm saying it was like people would, people were like, oh, everything's great when it, when it wasn't. And there was this air of like, oh, it looks like everyone's got it together and nobody's struggling, so I guess I'm the only one and I'll just, I'll just head out the door. But church should be a place for those who are sick and broken. And the truth of the matter is, all of us are sick and broken. That In reality, all of us are the guy on the stretcher. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23 says. That means none of us have measured up, which means all of us need a Savior. And so it's easy to be like, well, I'm just a moral person. I'm good, I'm generous, I'm kind. This sermon is for my husband. The sermon is for my teenager. This sermon is for... It's so easy to think that way, but the truth is, every single one of us, but for the grace of God, would be cast aside. And church is a place for the broken and the hurting. So the church is a place uh, for those who are in need. Um, number two, we see in verse four, it says they could not get near. So here comes the friends carrying the person in need. They couldn't get near because of the crowd. And that leads us to our second group of people, which are people who are preoccupied. Now, this is the one that I find the most fascinating in the story. 
Because you have this huge crowd of people that are all trying to get to Jesus, right? In this crowd we have... Thank you. Uh, we got all sorts of people, and they're all there. Some, maybe somebody needs a healing. Maybe someone needs encouragement. Maybe someone's just skeptical and checking out Jesus and wanting to hear him. But they're all there for their own reasons, and they're all crowded around the house. And here comes this, these friends carrying their, their friend on a stretcher. And they're like, hey, can we get through? And this guy clearly needs a lot of help, and we're trying to get him to Jesus. And people are like, no, wait your turn. No, I'm, hey, I'm trying to hear what Jesus is saying. Leave, back off. Like, they can't get through, and no one's letting them through. I think that's fascinating, don't you? I, I think it's interesting that their biggest obstacle, that their biggest obstacle is other needy people. And I've talked to so many people who came to church looking for Jesus and they bumped into some people who became obstacles. I pray to God that's not me, but I'm sure I've been an obstacle to somebody too. They're showing up going, I need to get to Jesus. And they run into an angry person, you right? <laughs> right? The unfriendly greeter. We don't have any of those at this church. I'm so thankful that our greeters are friendly. But it's amazing, right? You come to church and you're just looking for connection. You're looking for Jesus. And somebody's like, get out of my seat. Or, hey, why are you, you know, whatever. And it's like, all of a sudden, it's like people get in the way. Have you noticed this? As a kid, I remember going and trying different youth groups. And I'd show up at youth group. And, and, and I'd be standing by myself. And all the kids had their friends. And, and I'm just standing by myself. And after a few weeks of that, it's like, well, I guess I'll try somewhere else, Right? And it's easy to get jaded and be like, well, there's nothing here for me, right? Because people get in the way and everyone's just trying to do their thing. But the crowd is all there and they're basically obstructing him from getting to Jesus. And I guess here's what I, here's what I wanted to encourage every person, no matter where you're at in your faith journey. Don't let people keep you from getting to Jesus. Just don't let people. Because in this room, I, there's, am- there's amazing and lovely people. I'm going to talk about them next. But in this room, there are all sorts of people. There are people who will offend you. There are people who will say nasty things. We're trying, to, we're trying to fix that. We're trying to grow through it. We're not making excuses. But I'm just saying there's all sorts of people. And, and don't let people, don't let rude people or selfish people or busy people get in the way of you getting to Jesus. So we got people in need. And we got people who are preoccupied. The third group of people we have. I love this. Number three, people who care. People who care. The third group of people are people who care. And of course, as we think about this, we're thinking about the friends, right, who are carrying the paralytic. These are good friends. And I hope and I pray that we'd be the kind of church that's full of people who care. And by the way, the reason why we need people who care is because every single one of us at some point is going to need to be carried. Everyone sometimes needs to be carried. Now, let me tell you something. I don't like being carried by other people. I would much rather be the friend. I would rather be carrying you to Jesus. Dragging you up the side of the house. Like, that's fun for me. Let's find a way to do that. Like, I would love to to help you solve your problem, but I'm not good at asking for help, and I'm not good at leaning on other people. Anybody else? In fact, um, a number of years ago, I was at a volleyball tournament watching my my older son play. And I stood up too quick and I got lightheaded. Next thing you know, I, I wake up on the ground. So I had passed out, fallen over, smoked my head off a steel chair. Nurses like, I was out cold. Nurses like waking me up. Are you okay? I'm good. I'm fine. Okay, just sit for a while. I'm sitting for a while. They're like, I, I need to go watch my son's game. And they're like, wait, wait, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I went and sat down in the chair. Everything was blurry and hazy. I was probably watching the wrong court. 
cheering for the wrong team, right? I was out of it. And people kept asking me, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. It's just a little clear fluid running out my nose. I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. Turns out I was pretty severely concussed and spent a week and a half in a dark room. I don't know. Maybe some of you are like me. And you show up at church and someone's like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm fine. When you're not. It takes humility to be a person who can receive help. And that's something I'm not good at. I don't know about you. But it's incredible when there are people around you who care. And that's what I hope that we'll see lots of in this church. As a kid, I grew up, I saw people who cared in the church. And they're incredible. You know, good friends who care are people that won't take no for an answer. When you say, yeah, I'm good, I'm fine. They go, actually, no, you're not. And I'm going to stay with you and make sure you're fine. And and that's the kind of people we want to be, right? That's what we aspire to be. And of course, we know that when we care and we help other people, sometimes we can go too far and we can be moved from helping to enabling. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Where you do too much. And I think the simple rule for this sounds something like this. Do for others only what they cannot do for themselves, not what they will not do for themselves. Can you hear the difference in that? These friends carried him to Jesus because he couldn't get to Jesus. They wouldn't take no for an answer. When the crowd was there, they found a way around those people. Okay, They went up the roof. They cut open the roof. They lowered him down. But guess what? After he met Jesus, he carried his own mat. So what we want to see as a church, we want to be people who help, who carry, who bear one another's burdens, who help and love one another. Not doing for them what they won't do, doing for them what they can't do. And then bringing them to Jesus so that they can be restored, healed, and begin to walk on their own two feet. And then we walk beside them. Does that make sense? Okay, people who care, people who care, it's amazing. Verse 5 says, when Jesus saw their faith, he sees, he sees the friends. He says to the paralytic, son. Your sins are forgiven. This is fascinating, right? Because my assumption is that what this man needed most was his legs healed. But Jesus says that what he needs most is his sins forgiven. I believe that the scriptures teach that sin is the greatest problem we face. Not bankruptcy, not divorce, not cancer. Sin is the greatest enemy of our souls. And, of course, we don't even talk much about sin in our culture today. We're like, what's sin? Like, sin, sin, sin is kind of passe. It's old-fashioned. But, in fact, sin is missing the mark. Sin is living outside of God's rule and law and outside of his word. And what's crazy about sin is, is scripturally, there are many sins that aren't crimes. Like, you can lie to your friends, your spouse, your boss, right? I'm sick today. <laughs> Let's go golfing, Right? You can do that. It's not a crime. You can't get arrested for it. But God says, don't do that. Because lying breaks trust. And we're not just lying to our boss. We're lying to God. And before God, we're sinning against him. So things like greed, greed, covetousness. These things are not crimes. You can do them. You can have them in your heart. No problem. But God says they're sin. Don't do them. And the reason why he says that is because greed and covetousness will destroy you, your family, your business, and everything around you. And so Jesus is like, sin is the problem. Jesus came first and foremost to address sin, to forgive sin, and to make a way for us to be righteous because of his forgiveness so that we could live a different kind of life. That's what Jesus did. There's one more group of people we've got to touch on, and we'll begin to wrap up here. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? This leads us to the fourth kind of people, because in this room there's all sorts. Um, the fourth kind of person that we find in this story are what we call critical people. 
right? P- people who are critical. Anybody ever met somebody who's critical? <laughs> Keep looking this way. <laughs> critical people. And uh, these religious leaders uh, followed Jesus around. And it's not bad that they had questions. And it wasn't bad that they were reasoning in their minds and turning to the scriptures. The problem was they were looking for problems. And I'll tell you something. It is, it is so much easier to criticize someone than to carry someone. Right? Because you can use your criticism as a reason to not help too. It's easier to find fault in someone else than to find common ground. And I'm telling you, in this room, there are people who have critical heart. In fact, I would actually make the argument that all of us can be all of these people. We can all be caring in moments, critical in others. Accepting of our need for God in one moment and getting in someone else's way in another. You with me? And so it's easy to be critical. And whenever you have a crowd, this isn't just a church thing. It's not like, I'm not just saying that in the church, like in Pathway Church, there's critical people. I'm saying every crowd you get into, there's critical people. At work, there's a group of employees, there's going to be some critical people. If you go to the PTA, the Parent Teacher Association, oh, I guarantee there'll be some critical people there, right? Any club, any group, any crowd, Thanksgiving, it's coming up. Someone's going to be critical. And I've noticed that each and every one of us has potential to be all four of these. So here's, here's the question that I, I kind of want to wrap up with. I'm going to ask Jace to come up and, uh, and help me close. Um, when you think about this church, when you think about Pathway Church, and if you've been here for a little while, here's the question. What kind of people do you see? What do you see? What are you noticing? Um, I guarantee you're going to see all kinds of things here. But maybe more importantly, I want to ask the second question. What kind of person will you be? What kind of person will you be? You know, um, sometimes people come to be part of a church and they expect the church to be like heaven. Everything's perfect. Everyone's full of love and grace. Um, And that's our aim, to be more like Jesus and to create a a safe place of love and community. But in reality, um, Jesus taught his disciples to pray in this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we have to realize is that we're actually responsible. And Jesus has given us the task of bringing heaven to earth. By choosing to be a person who cares instead of a person who criticizes. By choosing to be humble and say, I need help. By choosing to be caring and loving and stretching out our hands to help someone in need. When each of us does that in part, the church begins to look more like Jesus. We begin to change and grow. As I said at the beginning, when I said there are four kinds of people and there's all sorts, I'm not excusing like, oh, well, I just get to be a jerk. That's my kind. I'm that kind of candy. The truth is, (laughs) I wouldn't even call it candy myself. (laughs) The, the The truth is that what God is after is he wants to transform us from this thing to M&M's or uh, something better. I, that, the candy analogy is falling short. He wants to transform us into the image of his son. And we get to be part of that by opening up our hearts, by receiving his word with humility, by changing the way we respond and react to the people around us. And it's in this way that the church, that we are the church, and it's in this way that the community, the gathered community of people, all here for Jesus, but all here for different reasons. As we're moving in his direction, we become formed and fashioned into the image of his son and we become transformed. So who are we? We're the church. And in the church, there's all sorts.
Here's the most powerful thing. We get to decide what kind of Christians we're going to be. We get to decide whether we're humble or proud. We get to decide whether we're caring or critical. We get to move in a direction. I want to invite you into that process. And maybe here, I want to take just a moment today because maybe there's, there's, I know there's new people every Sunday and maybe you've been around for a while. And I don't do this every Sunday, but every once in a while, I think it's important to say, if you come here looking for Jesus, but the next step you have to make is just deciding to follow him. And when we come to Jesus, we have to acknowledge the fact that I'm, I'm the guy on the mat. I, apart from you forgiving me, apart from Jesus saving me, I'm without hope. And to actually open your heart and say, Jesus, come be Lord of my life. I'm going to decide to follow you from this moment. And I want to pray a prayer this morning. If that's you, I want to give you the opportunity to pray this prayer. You guys can all pray this prayer together if you, if you want. If you've already done this. But I want to give people an opportunity to open their mouths. Not just pray in your heart, not make a decision, but actually open your mouth and say these words. Because guess what? Words are powerful. And words have significance. And so if you're here today and you're like, I don't understand it all. I don't know the Bible. But I want to follow Jesus and I want to make him Lord of my life. I want to invite you to pray a prayer. And you can repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender my heart to you. Forgive my sins. Make me new. Thank you for rising from the dead and making a way for me to have eternal life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me, uh, let me just take a moment to, to pray for you and then and we're going to wrap things up. Father, thank you for every person listening to the sound of my voice today. Lord, I acknowledge today that everyone here is here for a different reason. But God, I pray that as we leave, we would leave going, man, God did something incredible in my heart and in my life. I pray that we'd be the kind of church that people would leave and say, I never saw anything like that. God, as we take this, make decisions as individuals to move in your direction, that you would strengthen us as a church to be that kind of community that's full of life and that points people to you. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Hey, that's it from us. Thank you so much for joining. Please stay connected with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Pathway Church PTBO. Hey, God is at work in this world, and we feel so blessed that we get to be part of what he is doing. Have a great day wherever you're at, and we hope to see you soon.